This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouse and South Podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer, not in the palatial 6-8 of the fan studios, but in each other's homes, in our respective homes. It's me, Eric Quintana, Mr. Sam Franco in the screen, Josh Bradley also in the screen. What's going on, guys? Good to see you in the yeah. screen. Yeah, shout out to Zoom because this is great technology and they're not even paying me to say that. I'm sure that there's <laughs> like, I mean, they don't need it right now. They're probably like the world's like greatest company. Uh, right now in terms of how many people are using it. So uh, it's pretty cool that we can do this and uh, bring it to you in, in, in much better quality than when we've tried to run a remote before. <laughs> um, all right. So we can start this one of two ways. Well, we're going to start this way. Um, I had, I read an interesting article. I don't even read it. I just read the headline and that's all that really I need to read. And I was kind of done. But Franco Panizo um, wrote a headline for SPI soccer. Well, it's a tweet is really what it is. In the tweet to this uh, article, he says, Great research. The typically potent Atlanta United attack has not scored in more than 300 minutes, but head coach Frank DeBoer says he's not worried about that. And then here's why, and then he goes into the article. That, for whatever reason, that set me off. The typically potent Atlanta United attack. I think today is, we can segue into how that, how that relates to today, but Atlanta United's attack has not been potent, typically potent, in over a year. Since the end of 2018, since they won MLS Cup, after that, you can, you can basically take 2017, 2018, throw it in a box and put it to the side and forget about those years ever happening again, at least in those same ways. You can get different versions of that, but you're not going to get that kind of 2007, that kind of production ever again. If, if, it, if you're going to get anything similar, it's just going to look different. It's not going to look, it's not going to be this run and gun style of attack that Atlanta United used to have. It's going to look much different. It's going to look more organized. It's going to look less less hectic at times, less fast breaky. Um, it's just going to be different. And the, the fact that the media, soccer media, is still stuck on this, Atlanta United is this MLS powerhouse. I'm done with that mindset. Atlanta United right now is, at best, an average MLS team and has been for the last year. I don't know why we're still stuck on 2017, 2018. I know I always bring up Almiron in some of our comparisons, but it's important to, to differentiate what was – what made Atlanta United so special in 2017, 2018, and why they're not as special now. And it's because he left, and it's because you didn't replace him with someone that's as impactful. I'm not saying you need to go out and get the same kind of player, but you haven't found someone that's as, as impactful, specifically in the middle of the field, as what Almiron was for Atlanta in 2017, 2018. It's not just Almiron. I mean, you also lose a player like Darlington Nagby, who you know sits in behind and kind of does the work behind him. So it's 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 multiple reasons why Atlanta United, quite frankly, and especially without Joseph Martinez, are, are kind of in a little bit of a rebuild mode right now. But I, I don't think I, rebuild. I don't even think sure rebuild mode in a sense. And, and the only reason I bring Almiron is because of how of how uh, it's the different differentiator. You had Almiron 2017, 2018. You don't have him now. And now you're trying to figure out how to do it with guys like Pity, with guys like Barco, um, with the with the the players that are uh, that surround those your your DPS. Um, the fact that you haven't figured that out to, is the biggest problem. I, I can't put that solely on the feet of Frank DeBoer because he's doing the best. I think he's doing the best he can. I I, I just don't I don't understand what's going on today. Set me off. This match today set me off because I'm watching it and I'm thinking I, I can't 
you, you have to convince me. You have to really convince me that Atlanta United, the players and, and the front office and the coach are actually taking this tournament seriously and are not just there as treating it basically as a, as a, a preseason tournament. Because I, I, you can't – I don't understand how you trot a player like Bello out there, who you, we assume is the future at his position for Atlanta United. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we assume he's the future at his position for Atlanta United. And well, hold on, do we? You, I mean, the way that they're treating yeah. him, the way—I mean—but that's the thing. Do at this point, can we anymore? Because it feels like every time he's given an opportunity, you know, the injury was a bad well, thing that, for him to set him back very lot. But but the, the team doesn't seem to have faith in him. That's but that's sort of my my point is you got to build him up. You got to you got to give up. You got to give him the playing time. You, you couldn't last year because of the injuries, and now you have an opportunity to do that. And you play him in the first game. He's a clear pick for the second game, especially when you consider the opponent and who they are. And you don't play him. You don't even dress him. And I'm sitting there I'm like, what? What are we doing? Like, was, are we taking this tournament seriously? Is this something that we actually, or, or is it just something to 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 appease the fan base and to appease MLS? Which fine, if that's what it is for Atlanta United and for most of these teams, fine, I can live with that. But let's just go out and say it. The fact that Frank DeBoer after the game talking about rotating players after having a four-month break in which they didn't do anything, in which, in which they, they sat They're around and – not fit I, I anymore. Pres- they lost their match I, fitness. He's, how old is he? Who, who, who DeBoer? George Bello. He's 18. I, that, he's fine. Oh, come on. <laughs> he's he's fine. fine. I mean, I just feel like – tell, tell me, with five subs, you're telling me that you're not going to send him out every game to get his I match don't I don't understand why he didn't dress. I don't understand why he didn't dress. I agree. Which makes me, which makes me think that's just one instance in which I think that this turn, this tournament. I, I, I don't think that Atlanta United. Oh, better yet, you have to convince me. Oh man, without and, and make me believe without a shadow of a doubt that Atlanta United's taking this seriously. Otherwise, I'm not going to. I mean, I, 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 I don't see other see teams rotating too, Eric. I, don't, I don't see Atlanta United being the only team that's rotating because of that's the fine. Match but what I'm Remind, uh, let me remind you, what I'm saying is that I don't think these teams are taking this seriously. Well, they're treating it like a pre – I mean, it, they can't help – they haven't played a match in four months. I mean, you can't approach that in the heat in Orlando and just roll out the same 11 guys every match. The heat in Orlando, it was, 80, it was 81 degrees today. Yeah, but we, look, you know how Orlando Come feels on. in the morning with the humidity. You could look at the, the players and see that that was a struggle, plus a 9 a.m. match, plus you haven't played in four months. I mean, I, I, but, 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 I you can't say thing, rotation means they're not taking the tournament seriously. Every single team is doing that. Rotate some of the players, but you're talking about not dressing George Bellow. You're talking about Mulraney. Not dressing, and, I don't understand. I agree. Mulraney, Brooks Lennon, Rometty, and, and Lorenowitz as your midfield. Who do you have control in the midfield at that point? Why, have we, why, why, why does it feel like we're, we're, we're in the first game, we're trotting out Joseto at center forward when he's clearly not that? Like, what, are we just trying? Is he just trying things like that? I don't yeah, understand. I, well, I think part of what you're seeing is Frank DeBoer and Atlanta United trying to find a way to, to attack without Joseph Martinez. Aside from all of this fitness and sharpness and all those things that we're talking about, is the, the glaring hole in the, in the team matches. I mean, in the Cincinnati one, obviously, you're – Today, you go down a man. But if you look at those first 25 minutes, Atlanta United all over the ball, but just unable to create. And then if you look at the New York Red Bulls match where you were able to create some opportunities but didn't have the final touch from your from your number nine, I think that Atlanta United is kind of throwing, uh, you know, what at the wall and hoping it sticks at this point because you're trying to replace a guy that scored the majority of your goals, you know, since since this, this franchise has been here. And so I do think you are seeing, uh, you know, a Seto 
Hoseto, how do you say his name, Hoseto, by the way? The, the Yari. Hoseto, You're right. You're okay, right. I don't want to sound like total, Ignit. yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't want to sound like an ignorant. Yeah, exactly. So we put him up there. We've seen Adam John up there. We've seen uh, <laughs> Castro up there, which I don't know that we'll see him up there again. We saw J.J. No. Williams up there for about 20 seconds today, and then he gets a red card. I mean, it's very clear that, you know, in terms of, I think, you know, when you talk about Eric, the, the that there doesn't seem to be a clear attacking idea when the team comes out. I think it all revolves around not having a clear answer in that number nine spot right now. So, sure. Frank, and, I, and look, I, 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 buy, I get that. I understand. But there's, there's something to be said about consistency, regardless of how things go in the first match, that would indicate that, okay, they're going to try this for longer than just a match. I would yeah. be fine with whatever you did in the first match and you just repeat mm-hmm. on the second match and hope. Again, with five subs, I, if you're talking about rotating players, fine. Sub out early. But I, I just I, I, I can't wrap my head around anyone taking this match seriously. They're going to rotate as much as they have without with, with the rest that they've had um, and then and then now just getting back into it. That's why you have five subs. Sure. If, not, if, if, if it's not if it's not something that that I don't know because I also understand the the, the idea of uh, uh, of you know two weeks or whatever it was not being enough to get back to match fitness and the only thing that get, really gets you match fit is actually playing matches. I get that. I understand that. I'm not putting that to the side and throwing it away. But there's something to be said about consistency. There's something to be said about about not switching the, the chemistry on the field between games i mean you would never do this in any other world cup like tournament you wouldn't do that if you took it seriously well i think there's a point to be you're i agree with somewhat with your point eric that it seems like they're experimenting a lot and stuff like that i'm not gonna go as far you know as full bore or i guess as a full debore uh, as you uh right now in the sense that I, of course, I think they're trying. I, I, I think I, that... Not, it, like, let me be clear. It's not that I don't think they're trying, but are results a priority? Well, I think more than anything, you know, getting the, the, the team playing the way he wants to in the long term is always going to be Frank DeBoer's number one, uh, you know, thing on his checklist. But I think that when you look at both performances, the, the Red Bulls game and the Cincinnati game earlier today, it's just that the team itself hasn't really figured out, and this is especially true in the attack, or of course it is, what to do with Joseph Martinez not on the field. And, I mean, that's always going to be your top priority when your number one goal scorer, the, the number one guy that's putting the ball in the back of the net for you, goes down. You've got to replicate that production somehow. And we've seen a few different things, as Josh alluded to earlier, with, um, you know, J.J. Uh, having whatever – uh, happened to him <laughs> earlier today, uh, whatever got in his head, Williams. as well as, uh, yeah, as, as well as Castro, uh, you know, not looking the part either. So uh, I like JJ, whatever. Better. Yeah, JJ, JJ whatever. Because, well, yeah. he's the one that treated the game like whatever, you know, <laughs> flailing a leg like that on the That's ground. That's no I mean, way to make a debut. No, absolutely yeah. not. And I think that overall, you, you're just still searching for what to do without Joseph Martinez in the lineup. And I think it's it's kind of, clogging up the works for everyone else like the, the the rest of the team can't develop because they don't have a way to score goals right now so i, I it, it comes off as very hot what would you have josh no i mean I, I i was just gonna echo basically basically what sam is saying i mean i think that 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 inability to score goals definitely reverberates throughout the rest of the attack and that's the reason that you see uh those opening 25 minutes against cincinnati where you have a lot of the ball uh, before you go down a man, and uh, and and you don't look like creating much of anything. So, I, speaking of creating, 
you've seen two matches back with Barco. You've seen two matches back with Pity. Um, I'm at this point because of his lack of, of just impact against anyone relatively easy on the MLS schedule ever. Uh, I'm personally, and I know it's going to be very hot takey, but I've written him off as a miss. I've written him off as a miss. But he was very I, good against Red Bulls. I thought he was very, very good against – he was equally poor, maybe worse so against Cincinnati, but I thought he was very good against the Red Bulls there. Okay, fine. But he didn't do enough to, to help the team win. And what? You can, you, can attribute that to, you can attribute that to not having Joseph, to, to a bunch of other things. Fine. But I'll give you he was fine against the Red – well, I think he was fine against the Red Bulls. But when you go up against a team like SC Cincinnati, the best players in MLS, the DPs in MLS, for the most part, will look at an opponent like SC, FC Cincinnati and be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to run, I'm gonna run right all over. Now. He did nothing in this match. If anything, he made himself look like a, like, like, like a fool, tripping over himself. It's, it's, I can't get over the fact that, he, that, that people are still hung up on, on – or they, they're still focused, hyper-focused on the good things that he does, which, sure, he does good things sometimes. But 90% of the time that he's on the field, he is he, he's doing – he'll do – this is basically the pattern for Pity. He'll do something awesome to get around a player, and then he'll totally F it up by doing something else, either tripping over himself, shooting it 30, 30 meters over the bar, um, scuffing it to the, to, to the side of, of, of either post by, by, by 40 yards, whatever it is. It's – it's a consistent pattern with him that, that he finds a way to put himself in a position where he can be dangerous, and then he just poops it away. Well, well I think times when he's looked super dangerous, too, I think the what we've talked about on this podcast a few different times is the fact that he kind of wants to be given sort of a rover free reign kind of role in the attack. That seems Which he be, basically has now. Well, and I, of course he does, but that's what I'm saying. He's not capitalizing on that. It's like, okay, especially with Joseph out and the struggles that Atlanta United has had trying to replicate his production it's like okay we're giving you this chance now kind of because everybody else is screwing up and then you're the only option here and he's not taking it he's he's still playing very poorly eric i think you retweeted someone earlier that was like uh this guy it was a 14 million dollar mls player you know and then he falls down yeah. like face first like on the to ground be fair, it's like, to be fair to be fair that was mls transfer no mls transfers retweeted it is like, i think it was mls transfers retweet Okay. So but, take it for what it was. Yeah. Take that with still, a grain of salt. It's MLS but still, I mean, that, that, that's a point. That's a, it's, it's not a bad point. I mean, this guy should not be, you know, stubbing his toe into the turf and falling over himself. I mean, this is a guy that needs to get into goal scoring positions and, and score goals. And, and he hasn't been doing that for Atlanta United, and particularly when they need it the most now with Joseph being out. And, I, and I'll, I'll agree with Josh a little bit. I thought against Red Bulls, he looked way better uh, than he did against SC Cincinnati. And there, there could be a couple different factors there. If you want to take the, the devil's advocate route of, you know, very hot, humid in the morning as compared to playing at night and all that stuff. But regardless, I'm, I'm, I'm in Eric's camp in a sense that Pitti Martinez up to this point, and quite frankly, it's starting to feel like it's going to be a miss uh, for Atlanta United in terms of the uh, strategy of going to South America, trying to get a player interested for a few years and then flipping them off to Europe for profit. Yeah. That guy does not right now look like a player that's going to be having any impactful minutes on a European I roster, guess, unless you're talking about like yeah. FC Bratislava or something. And I mean, the, 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 he's a player who his style of play, not he, he, he's kind of a play. He likes to play centrally underneath the striker, but he doesn't like to come back and play defensively. That's a position that doesn't really exist in the modern game anymore. Everyone's much more box to box. So we've seen Frank DeBoer try to kind of play him on the right 
as an inverted winger where he can come into the middle and play in there. And he struggled for consistency doing so. Um, but I, I think when we look at PT, I think on the one hand, we have to accept one thing. I think we have to realize that he's not going to live up to his price tag. You know, when you not look at, at uh, and, and, but I, at the, on the other hand, I don't think it's fair as you say, Eric, to say you're going to write him off. Yeah, sure. Maybe he's not going to be worth that amount of money, but he's, we have to recognize this is a guy who tries he's a guy who tries stuff you know he's gonna try he's gonna try the spectacular and that means it's not always gonna come off now today he was well, it's gotta come off at some point exactly now today he was exceptionally poor i mean he fell over the ball a couple times a bunch of bad giveaways there's really no he was unbelievably bad he was today. really he was really indefensible today i think no i'm not defending his performance <laughs> today but you will get performances like this from guys who tend to try um uh more outrageous creative types of plays i would say the other side is the positive side is one thing pt really struggled with last year being that type of player i just mentioned is during that period last year where barco was out and there was also a a short period where joseph was out and he really struggled to put the team on his back and drive the team forward against red bulls he was able to do that without barco obviously without joseph so that was encouraging for me that, that that he looked a little bit more comfortable kind of taking taking control and being that influential player. But then today, with Barco into the lineup, and you're thinking, okay, now you've got a guy to take pressure off PT. He's going to play even better. And he he comes out with that clunker. I, and, and again, I'm not – between the 9 a.m. start time, the fact you haven't played in four months, um, the fitness aspect of this, I'm not going to write PT off yet, but that was one – performances that i've seen him have if not the worst and it's probably one of the reasons you're so toothless in attack today but like i said on the other hand i think if you look at the two matches on the whole you've seen some good you've seen some bad and you have seen pt excel in that red bulls game in a position where he really struggled last year when he didn't have a lot of attack around him so let's right, at let least me, wait let me, and let me see. so let's at least he, wait and see before we write him off when I say write him off, I get that he's going to play. I get that. I'm not saying that he yeah. needs to be benched every game. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I don't expect anything from him at this point. If I get something out of him, fantastic. But I don't expect that game in and game out. I tweeted out today, I'd rather have Tito. Oh, my. Wow. I'd wow. rather have Tito. Whoa. Because Tito, Tito even, even with his faults, you knew he was going to give you a, a certain level of consistency, whether good or bad. It was, it was a certain level of consistency that you knew what he was going to give you. I don't know what I get out of PD game in and game out. I know that I get moments where, where uh, Tito is going to run past the back line, going to run onto a through ball. He's going to find a way to maybe get around a defender every now and then, more often than Pity seems like. And he's going to be able to get into open space and kind of help create uh, in a moment. He's going to have at least one or two impactful moments in the match. Now, whether those come off one of those turns to goals or, or, or assists, that's a different story. But he's going to – help create help make his team dangerous at least in one or two moments in in the, the short period he might be in uh, in the match Pity, he could be in 70 minutes and he might have one but he's going to have 30 other moments where he's just again tripping over himself skying the ball over the bar and and i, I just i don't expect anything out of pity anymore i i know he's going to play i know that i'm not going to get around that you got to play your dps i think because one because i don't think the guy behind him is, is much better whoever you decide that person to be the guy behind him isn't going to be that much better. I think that Pity's fine, considering you don't have a better option. Uh, but I don't expect solid production game in and game out. And if I do get it, fantastic. I'll take it like I'll take it like a I don't know, like I won a lottery ticket or something, like a scratch off. 
Well, a, a big bucks. issue too. A big issue too right now for Atlanta United is you know, and I mentioned Nagby earlier, but they don't have anyone that can kind of boss the game in the midfield, and yeah. I think that softens the blow of losing Miguel Almiron last season because you had Darlington Nagby, and he he was that security blanket that, that the attackers always had to know that if they they could take more risks because if they lost the ball, there's a very good chance that he could win it back. So I think that you have that security blanket back there, the guy that can really just be that engine the motor of the engine that just makes everything run and for him to not be there that's also been you know everybody talks about replacing joseph martinez of course uh replacing Miguel almiron which has been a failed experiment for a while now i mean barco has been pretty good but not the same type player that almiron is so you really don't have the options a to 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 replace your main attacker and b to replace the guy that was just such a glue guy and so important for you right. in the middle of the field and Darlington Nagby, those have both been just catastrophic losses for this team that they have been able to figure out. So it's not just like pity performing poorly because I, I tweeted earlier, this is the worst I've ever seen this team play across 90 minutes for a number of different reasons. Of course, they've lost by more than they did against uh, FC Cincinnati, but this is the worst competition they've lost to probably by a, a wide margin and it's also a team in FC Cincinnati that, 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 that you know, I said they, they shouldn't be on the field with a lot of the teams they play against. But Atlanta United just doesn't have any sort of cohesion right now. It, it was, for me, again, the, the, the poorest performance I've seen from this team in, in a long, long time, if not ever, when you take a lot of the things into consideration. And, and two things I would mention, I think, first of all, you know, when you mentioned Nagby and Almiron, obviously they were playing different positions on the pitch, but they served a similar role where they could come back and advance the ball out of the defensive or middle third into the next third. In Frank DeBoer's system, we've talked about it a lot. I had an article about it on out soccer this week. When you play that 3-4-3 with only two center mids, you need two dynamic guys that can go box to box, that can advance the ball out of the midfield third, that can distribute from deep. You don't really have those guys right now. I mean, and this is not, uh, you know, Mo Adams, Je- you know, Jeff Laurentowitz, Eric Rometty. Uh, maybe Heinemann can fill the role that you want. But I look at those four, and maybe except for Heinemann, you don't have that type of player that's going to be able to advance the ball out of tight areas. Most of these guys are touch and pass, simple player type of guys. And and whereas an Albiron, although he wasn't necessarily playing center mid, and but certainly at Darlington Nagby are the types that could receive that ball at the top of the 18-yard box and get you out and attack. But instead, you're kind of stuck with guys uh, that aren't quite as dynamic, so you end up with these long spells of possession that maybe don't create much because you don't have a guy that can get the ball in the middle third and go direct down the center of the pitch. The other thing I wanted to add uh, with, with Sam, you mentioning this baby being Atlanta United's worst performance, what was this disappointing uh, to me was that even after FC Cincinnati went on a man, they didn't change their tactics at all. They were still sitting off. They were still not looking to attack with, uh, with, with, with a vengeance. They weren't throwing bodies forward. So, but Atlanta United decided to sit off the ball and stop pressing. And so you ended up with this weird kind of game where FC Cincinnati is passing the ball across their back four yeah, over you, and over. You, you take the ball. No, it I'll was unbelievable, that. right? <laughs> I mean, and you could see Taylor Twelman on the broadcast, just like, what is going on here? It was so weird to see FC Cincinnati trying to bunker, but Atlanta conceding the ball to them. And I just wish that Frank DeBoer had been, and I'm not saying he completely parked the bus because Atlanta United did try to get out. They did try to have some spells of possession, but they didn't, they stopped high pressing after that red card. And FC Cincinnati were not looking to take advantage of that man advantage in possession. 
So why not continue to press? Why not continue to try and control the game if you're playing a team that's, that's first of all, not good from a personnel standpoint as you, and second of all, is not trying to grab the game by the scruff of the neck up a man and, 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 and control it. So that was disappointing to me that, you know, aside from the individual performances not being good, that when Frank DeBoer went to that 4-4-1 after the red card, you saw a team sitting off the ball and being a little more reactive instead of proactive when Cincinnati was providing a platform for you to continue to control the match, even though you're down a man. It was amazing how unconfident FC Cincinnati was even, yeah, even, was, even up, crazy. even up a man. It was, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was thinking the same thing Taylor Tolman was thinking. I was, I, I could not believe that they were just sitting back and playing this game as if it were, if it were 11 on 11, it almost looked like, you know, it almost looked like Atlanta was up a man. At times, because oh, yeah. of how, I mean, how much how much possession they had, I, I couldn't and, believe and it, it makes it even more worse that you lose to that team. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that there's a team that's down a man, and they and they still go with five in the back, and, and it was just and, and as the match went on, you started to see these long spells of kind of of meaningless possession for Cincinnati. They slowly started to turn into oppor- scoring opportunities as Cincinnati gained confidence, and Atlanta sits off the ball, and which is not which is not their mo, and eventually. Atlanta are soaking up pressure and, and Cincinnati break through. And I, the goal is, a mis- is there's a mistake in a lot of areas. Um, Sam mentioned before we went on, and I, I actually hadn't realized this, Miles Robinson is late to step to the ball. Uh, well, it's not just late to step to the ball. He, he turns away from the yeah. ball. And I'm glad you brought this up because, like, it is terrible that Atlanta United lost in the way that they did and lost to the team that they lost to. But the goal they gave up just makes it sting even worse because – on first glance, and, and John Champion called it perfectly. He's like, you know, this was out of the blue because it was. I mean, you know, they weren't pressing like you were saying. They were, they, they did get a little more confident, but it really was kind of just one of those against the run of play type goals that make you scratch your head. Well, and Brad Guzan, number one, is off his line. Yeah, number Guzan, two, Jeff like, Lorenowitz gives uh, gives him way too much space to be head, able yeah. to yeah, yeah to be able to make that move to to get the shot off, and then when the shot is hit. Miles Robinson, a central defender whose job is to block shots from coming into the box, turns away and kind of ducks and leans in with his shoulder to, 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 for the ball not to hit him. It's like, dude, yeah. that's your job in that situation. And that kind of goes back to what I was what I was not used to, to play reactive, to sit back and soak up pressure. And that's when – I mean, it doesn't excuse those mistakes from, from Jeff Lorenzo from Miles Robinson to some extent from Brad Guzan, although I'm not going to say that the, the team tactics are the reason for him being off his line there. But certainly to some extent with Miles Robinson and Jeff Lorenowitz, not used to being in that situation that often. And they were put in that situation time and time again throughout the second half with Atlanta sitting off. And it just takes one positional error uh, uh, to, to, to concede there. So it, it was almost as if – Atlanta was inviting well, you, you had, you had, to happen. Well, you had Amaya, you had Amaya in this pocket uh, be, between Lorenowitz and it looks like Rometty, and then I can't tell who the other player is right off the bat, but um, I think it's Lennon. And, and as soon as he turns, he just shoots. That's what I wanted, Pity. That's what I wanted Barco to find in them. Find those pockets of space where they can turn and shoot, yeah. where they can go at the two center backs find room for, for whoever that center forward ends up being, whether it's Adam John or whoever, to run alongside those players so that when those center backs have to step up to Barco, to Pity, they can play it out to, to you know, whoever's, whoever's making those runs. But they don't do that. Like, what we saw today was, was in the attack and, and, and just overall on how Atlanta United handles teams that bunker and handle teams that presses. In the last two matches, it's quintessential Atlanta United. You can't beat the Red Bulls in a regular season match 
because you can't handle it. Sorry, you can't beat the Red Bulls when they high press. And the only time you beat them is when they didn't, didn't high press. And you can't beat a team that just sits back in bunkers and waits for you to come to that because your, your defense is so shoddy that, that you have to you, – you got, you got, you you're, you're, you're liable to make mistakes more often um, than most teams in those situations. And to, to not be able to score against a team like this, it's incredibly frustrating. I, I, it's tough to think that these are going to count towards the regular season because it's a, it's a weird tournament anyway. But Oh, yeah, these games count towards the regular season. Doesn't yeah, that it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and because Eric, we're going to – you're basically handicapped going into a, a, uh, a, 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 a nine-game season, whatever it ends up being, after the tournament's done. Atlanta United was technically in first place in the East before this tournament started. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that you – know. and, and I think – I don't know, guys. I, I just still think – I mean, if you look big picture here, I still think there's some context we need to take into account. I know today was terrible and no, obviously – No context. Bad. To lose <laughs> – you know, I, and again, I think we've discussed the performance pretty solidly. It was, it was very – a very poor performance against a team that showed no no interest in taking control of the game, and I thought Take the tactics. I thought Frank DeBoer got it wrong, and I thought obviously we've discussed Peachy Martinez. We haven't gotten after Barco enough, who was poor tonight. The center miss weren't good. It was not a good performance from the team. But let's try to take a bigger look, uh, you know, a bigger you know, uh, a bird's eye view here, and recognize it's two matches after a long break. So you can't, you know, you don't, you haven't settled on your first 11 yet. You haven't even settled on your best 14 or 15 and you, and, and you have to adjust to Joseph Martinez being gone. So in a lot of ways, the performance has gotten number one, not super sharp. And number two, struggling to score goals. Shouldn't really surprise us based on the context of having a long layoff and being without Joseph Martinez. I get it. But as DPs, I need these guys to step up. I think Absolutely. everyone expects them to step up. That's where, I, that's where I think the disconnect is between – not even disconnect, whatever, where, where I think that, that the DPs need to adjust themselves and find – look, if Barco's looking to get to Europe, I think he's going to get there eventually. But if he wants to up his stock, he's got to find a way to, to take, take these kind of games by the throat and, and, and manhandle them. You, you gotta, if Pity wants the same, you've got to find ways to control these type of games. To, to, what, what has Pity done in Atlanta that, that really indicates that he's going to flourish anywhere else? I said it on, on the radio show I was on t- earlier today. He, at this, right now, he is as average of an MLS player as you can be. And the only way he's going anywhere else is probably back to Argentina and just because they know who he is. And it's going to be more out of nostalgia's sake than, than he's a player that we loved and was good when he was here. And maybe he, he would be good back in, in, a, in a style of play that's more suited to, to what, you do in, what, what they do in Argentina. Or Eric, it's funny you mentioned America. Barco. Like, it's funny you mentioned Barco, and it's funny you mentioned, like, the team earlier. Like, you're like I don't think they care. They don't want to be there. There is some evidence to that because, like, Barco early in the game had – I didn't say not, that. Not I early. didn't say they want to be there. They need well, to prove to me – time out, time out. They have to out. prove I, to Eric. They, they need to prove to me. I need to be convinced. I'll put it that way. I need to be convinced that they care about this tournament, which if they don't, that's fine. I can live with that. But if, if – because, look, you've got you – got, you got Frank DeMore talking about 9 a.m. games and, and how weird of a, of a, of a schedule it was when everyone's doing it. You're talking, you've got uh, uh, Jeff Lerman's talking about how he's got a scarf down a meal at 6 a.m. You, you've got guys basically act, just sounding like they're just complaining about yeah, being there. Yeah, that's some and wham, 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 wham crap. To, they're they, like, I had to eat they, my breakfast early. If they don't want to be there, fine. I can understand, and, and I'll, I'm, I can accept that. But if we're taking it seriously, it, what's, what's happening in this game makes no sense. It's incredibly disappointing. 
Well, I was going to try and back your point up there. We're talking about Barco like early in the game when he had that shot uh, with like the outside of his foot from distance. And it's like, dude, what are you trying that for right now? Like, we need, you're a man. I thought down. that was cheeky. I thought that yeah, was, I thought was fine. It. Come what? on. I thought that was, I thought that was fine. No, no dude, that was like, my dude, boy. That's, 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 that's what I like. Time out. Get a realistic shot off in that situation. What are you doing with the outside of the foot from there? And he's pulled that stuff off. I thought it was nice. He's pulled that off. It was a grip bit of skill but it didn't go in he could have taken more time he could have that's the thing in that situation down a man you need to score the goal man his like second goal with Atlanta United was was a was a one timer I think off the inside of the foot like or the outside of the foot like I think that's how he scored his second goal so I would I would just quickly say you were 11 v 11 when that play happened but I do the reason so the first one it's still bad and I'm not yeah no I I don't I just yeah the reason I mentioned that is because if you go back and look at that play and we remember that play because it's and it's that one, you know, not exactly a big one. That 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 half chance or whatever comes from your high press forcing a ball along. Miles Robinson wins the ball in the air, gives it to Barco, and he goes. After a couple minutes later, it's eleven v ten, and you're not playing like that even anymore. And and that was the only way you were creating chances in those first twenty five minutes was through your high press and forcing FC Cincinnati to release the ball early. So you know, and, and you know we remember that Barco chance because it was one of the only ones. And I think when you look at the way that the chance came by the high press, Atlanta United abandoned playing in that manner when they go down a man. So I know, I think there's something to be said for that opportunity from a tactical standpoint. Number one, it's kind of sad that we remember it because it's like one of like three shots in the entire match. I think you had like 0.3 XG in this, but number two, if you look how it happened from a tactical standpoint, it's no coincidence that Atlanta United were not able to create chances the rest of the night because they abandoned that style of playing with the high press once they go down a man. And again, against a team that had no interest in exploiting Atlanta's uh, man disadvantage. How much do we put this at the feet of just how this tournament has gone so far at the feet of Frank DeBoer? Just real quick. Uh, I uh, – uh, Specifically at his feet, because there are people that are going to be you like – You go first, Sam. I, I have to think. Nothing seems to be going right The right good now. question. I, yeah, I mean, I think at this point we we just have to accept the fact that this team is, is in a transition and without Joseph Martinez that they're going to continue to struggle. And it's, it's just not uh, something that I'm going to put at Frank DeBoer's feet necessarily, although the team needs to be way more prepared uh, than they look in these games. So I would say a good bit goes at his feet because he's the manager, but I'm not going to, you know, call for his firing just based off of these performances. The yeah. Other, the other aspect, the other aspect, let me differentiate at his feet, at Frank DeMore's feet, or at say uh, like the front office's feet because of the player acquisitions we have had that either haven't worked out or haven't fit well. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, so just agreeing with you guys, but I would say this is the first time that I've really questioned Frank DeBoer because again, this looks similar to the beginning of the last season. We have a lot of players that don't know what their role is, don't know what to do in attack. And even though there's been a long layoff, this is year two of Frank DeBoer. You shouldn't be having those problems. Yeah. Hopefully we get a, at least a third match that uh, goes a lot better than the first two. I want to give a quick shout out to L, uh, Lucid FC. Um, go visit them, Lucid FC. Uh, dot us if you get a, when you get a chance um had to wrap it up keep it to 30 minutes or so because of how zoom works but uh we'll try to get back in the studio next week with our masks on until next time see you later guys later